From beach towels to tea towels, and from mugs to water bottles, the TNT Shop has it all. Browse our shop now at tntradio.live. Focused on the facts. Chris Smith on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. We've got a really good hour ahead. I'm going to get to Alan Jones very shortly, and then after that, we'll head to Melbourne, and we'll speak with Renee Heath, MLC, who's got a stack to talk about, and it just gets worse and worse for the Labor government of Victoria, and yet it's not really showing up in the polls. Okay, they got rid of Dan Andrews. He put his hand up and walked. But I don't see any change. Uh, no change from broken promises, no change from broken policies. Uh, every one of those major projects occurring in Victoria now have blown out, blown out by billions. Anyway, we'll talk to Renee about that and a number of other things that are happening, including John Howard catching up with Josh Frydenberg in Melbourne this week. Could it be about recruiting Josh to get back into politics? and lead the Liberal Party to a victory at the next election? Only those two know the answer to that. And uh, as I said, I've got a stack of really good, um, stack of really good feedback on social media, in the inbox and also on the chat box. Over the past five days when we started to video stream, so we're now uh, TNT Radio on television, it's been fantastic and people are appreciating it. Love watching the program, and you can do that from today on the app. So the app that you have on your smartphone or your cell phone that you use to listen to the program, you can now go to that menu on the left-hand side, just press Watch Live, and you can watch it as you would watch a normal television program. So there you have it. Uh, Don't look too hard, will you? Thank you. Suzette from Penrith in Sydney's western suburbs has sent me an email just before we came on air. Chris, love your show. So glad I found you. I turned the show on at the same time you were on on 2GB. Regards, Sue. Good on you, Sue. Thank you. Uh, And Suzette can also watch the program as well because we are video streaming, which we're enjoying doing. Now, disgraced former Olympian Oscar Pistorius could face chilling revenge attacks from gangsters after he's released from prison, according to The Sun in London. The 37-year-old has hopes of becoming a preacher when he's free in January, but Johannesburg police recently received information that the city's underworld were out for revenge over the murder of Reva Steinkamp. The police said, we have received information that there are people who say he deserved to pay for killing a young woman. South Africa cannot afford to have any more violence connected to Pistorius, and police will work very hard to ensure his safety. That's the statement from Johannesburg police. Pistorius has spent most days uh, scared for his life since he shot his then-girlfriend through a bathroom door back in 2013. Gee, that 2013, it doesn't seem that long ago. While out on bail almost a decade ago, he was reportedly paranoid about paid assassins killing him and would stay far away from any windows out of pure fear. Stories also came out saying that when he was first in prison, he had real concerns over people poisoning his food because of gangsters' orders. A source told the Mail Online he began eating beans straight from a can so he could be sure that the food had not been got at and poisoned. Maybe his paranoia is well-founded. This is TNT Radio. Chris Smith and Alan Jones on today's News Talk, TNT Radio. Well, the fellow I'm about to welcome to the airways is a former GPS teacher, an advisor to a prime minister in Australia, a Grand Slam winning rugby coach, 
Those were the days. Undisputed Australian talkback radio icon and now hosting on ADH.TV plus a thousand other community roles, which I won't even begin or even endeavour to list. But he's very, very active no matter how retired he might be. You'll never retire, Alan, will you? Ever. You stop, you drop. Stop, you drop. drop. That's a good adage, yeah. It's true. (laughs) Got to keep going. I mean, there'd be a lot of people, I suppose, wanting people like me out of the equation, and I suppose we threaten a few people, but um, if you're sad as it is, you've got nothing to fear. Yeah, very, very true. Federal Labor's news poll numbers are now lower than they were when they won the 2022 election. They've fallen four points to a primary vote of 31%. Labor and the coalition are now neck and neck. The economy is killing us, and this mob has had no idea or even intention to try and ease the pain, have they? Well, no, look, um, it's not an overstatement to say, which I've been now saying for months and months, they're gone. The question is whether or not the Greens will be able to prop them up sufficiently to be able to form a government. The point about it is, I think, uh, John Howard said way back in 1986, when he was a much despised opposition leader and they one newspaper headline said, why do you bother? Um, John Howard said, well, the times may suit me. And I think when we see what's happened in Holland in the last week, last Wednesday, uh, with Heat, you know, Wilders becoming prime minister, uh, these people are posing the nonsense about climate change, the nonsense about asylum seekers, the nonsense about Islam and so on. The Times, I think, will eventually suit Dutton, and that's evidenced here because the two parties are 50-50. Uh, the Dutton-led coalition's at 38. He's got to get that to a four. You've got to get to 40, but it's, it's a significant improvement. And, of course, it's the worst primary vote. I mean, it's absurd that Labor won government with 32.6% of the vote, but now they're on 31%. But for the first time, I mean, Dutton is drawing level with Albanese on really important issues. And, you know, it's not just the state of the economy and and uh, and, and uh, the business about cost of living. I mean, when you look at foreign policy, they're all arguing. No one can mention anti-Semitism in the Labor government. They're frightened. If they'll mention anti-Semitism, then Islamophobia, equating the two when the anti-Semitism Hamas was responsible for the bestiality, the savagery and the brutality of October 7, but they can't mention anti-Semitism. In relation to national security and defence, they don't know where they are, but we couldn't defend ourselves with a bag full of marbles. Then you've got the energy policy, of course, of Bowen, and everywhere in Europe, they're recognising this is ridiculous. You can't close down coal-fired power stations. And the public are understanding all of this. They know that there have been warnings about blackouts coming. Then you've got education. Well, we see kids marching in the street in support of Palestine. Isn't this proof of the fact that there's indoctrination in the classroom? There are teachers actually encouraging this stuff, but no one's teaching, including the Prime Minister. No one gets out and says, isn't it the Prime Minister's job to say, well, now, hang on, hang on. The, the Charter of Hamas, he should educate, address the nation. The Charter of Hamas says that Islam will obliterate Israel. Or the opening passage of the Hamas covenant says, Israel will continue to exist until Islam will obliterate it, just as it obliterated others before. The spiritual leader of Hamas has said, the latest punishment of the Jews was by Hitler. The next, with the help of Allah, will come from the Muslims. Can't Anthony Albanese bring himself as the leader of the nation to point out to these kids and to the Australian people who Hamas are 
and yep. what they represent. Because if the free world loses, free world loses in uh, Israel, well, hello, the caliphate is on. I mean, this was one of the most savage and indiscriminate attacks in a hundred years. And its central purpose was to destroy Israel. The only genuine democracy in the Middle East. We've got kids marching in the streets virtually in support of Hamas or Palestine, when in fact Hamas are just killing as many Palestinians as they are killing Israelis. And there's no leadership to educate this, to educate Australia to us. So on all of these issues, I mean, the government has absolutely failed. And these polls are just the beginning of the end. I mean, it's not going to get any better for them. But the question is now, I mean, Peter Dutton, who had a magnificent week last week or the week before, he's got to fill that vacuum with very simple statement of policies. And, you know, he just stand up and said, we won't be closing coal-fired power stations. We won't be condoning indoctrination of the classroom. That will stop or funding will stop. We're not going, and we're not going to allow 650,000 migrants into the country where we don't have teachers and doctors and houses and roads to accommodate the people who are here. True. But then there's another 650,000 student visas. 1.2 yep. million more people coming into this country, for God's sake. And also immigration is a massive issue. So there's plenty of scope. And the first thing you should start with is saying, well, I still want to know why Brittany Egan's got $3 million. I want to know. Yes. Who gave yes. How did you get it? No one what asks for? that question. They've all just, no. the media in particular, the Canberra bubble, they don't yeah. want to ask the question, do they? No. And we're in tight. Uh, well, well, Chalmers says, well, the problem with the problem with interest rates is we've got to stop spending. I mean, spending you're spending money, and that you know, you and I go out and want to buy dozens of bananas, well, the price of bananas goes up. So he says we'll stop spending. Well, hang on, they've chucked three million with no reason at Brittany Higgins. We've got an orcas deal over there promising billions of dollars, and America will not. They will not. They will not lend two nuclear-powered submarines to Australia and weaken their own defence capability. So that's all pie-in-the-sky stuff somewhere down the track. And then, of course, we're giving money to Rugby League to have a team in Papua New Guinea. Six hundred million dollars. Six. What? So that Papua New Guinea can have a rugby league team? What's that about? Because Albanese in love with Peter Volandis. I mean, what's the story? I don't know. But there's money being splurged by the federal government everywhere. The public yeah. service in Canberra has gone up by 10%, 10% in the right. last 12 months, 10%. The wage yeah. bill in Canberra for public service, giving this atrocious advice to government, is over $10 billion. And Chalmers is saying, stop spending. Oh, <laughs> practice what you preach. Yeah, exactly. And the biggest problem that they've had, and I think this is where Peter Dutton has scored uh, plenty of points is over these foreign criminals, these indefinite detainees. Well, it becomes even more farcical today because the Home Affairs Minister has said that taxpayers will now pay $255 million just to monitor their activities. What a joke. Yes, well, look, the government has had no answer to this. You see, but Peter Dutton was the person who dominated this debate. Albanese yep. was on his 30th visit. I think he's visited. 30 overseas trips or something. It's just unbelievable. He's out there all the time. He's just a spectator. Albany's just a spectator on what's happening yeah. in Australia, a spectator of his own demise. But, I mean, they were warned of this six months ago that there was a likelihood of the High Court changing its position. When the High Court changed its position, then suddenly they had no answer, and the answers had to come from Peter Dutton. I will make one cautionary comment here, though, which is yeah. most probably not fashionable to make, and that is... 
there are a lot of people who have murdered people um, and committed terrible crime who serve their time in jail here. Forget about this high court mob. And they are then released having done their time into the community. So we already have former murderers and others walking amongst us. But they are citizens. They're citizens. Yeah, they are citizens. Well, now, we don't deport people who are guilty of crimes that would require the death sentence in their country of origin. Good old soft touch we are. I mean, if you're a foreign citizen, then you live by the rules according to the country of your birth, but we won't send them back for fear that they're going to be... uh, I don't believe in capital punishment. I don't believe the death sentence, but we don't deport people who, if deported, yeah. would face the death sentence for crimes that they've committed. But the point here is, it's the, it's the government again. It knew about this for months. This is the issue. And did absolutely nothing about it. Albanese's yeah. overseas and Peter Dutton had to come to the rescue. And now the answer is, oh, spend more money. Spend more yeah. money. Yeah. <laughs> if that's not, if there's got to be a better answer than what they're proposing. Yeah, exactly. I've got to take a quick break. I'll come back. I want to ask mm-hmm. you about Dave Sharma's readmission into the federal parliament as a new senator. We'll get yeah. to that and a whole heap more with Alan Jones right after this on TNT Radio. You should hear what Charlie Robinson is talking about. I think once we saw the supply chain issues uh, that happened during the COVID debacle, you go, well, that seems bad for the, you know, when you're fighting somebody for toilet paper, but it could be worse, right? It could be the last can of food. So people are starting to reevaluate and reassess their situations and their relationships relationship with supply chains and the like. And I think what that does is it leads you to a place of saying, how can I make myself less dependent on the system? It's kind of hard to know where to start, right? Where would you suggest we even begin with this process? Yeah, it's funny you said that because someone said to me recently and it made me laugh that this is going to be the kind of collapse where the Burger King's still open. I think that's what's probably lulling people into a false sense of security in that everything when we go to the city kind of appears normal unless you're in one of those really crazy drug adult cities but for most people i would say charlie it feels normal but it ain't normal (laughs) the world is not normal it's completely gone off kilter charlie robinson on today's news talk radio tnt DOJ have approved a no-knock breach. We want the subject to be on display, doing the walk of shame, full visual impact. Any questions? Are we becoming a police state? Government told American citizens they couldn't go to church on Sunday. For the first time in my life, I'm saying to myself, am I going to get a knock at the door? FBI warrant, come to the door now! The Patriot Act and FISA were used against Donald Trump. These individuals have commissioned the biggest propaganda play in U.S. history. They don't go after the people that rigged the election. They go after the people that want to find out what the hell happened. We don't need to have a crime. What we need is a person to look at. And then we go find out what crime you did. FBI! Our focus is shifting. Our main priority as a bureau is going to be domestic terrorism. It really paints anybody who's right of center. If you're a pro-life, pro-family Catholic, they define you as radical. These are anti-government. We are freedom of religion and freedom of speech. Violent extremists, and they must be dealt with. We can do anything we want. 
Today's News Talk Radio. Come on, let the man talk. We never censor our hosts. Good. Now, talk. Uncensored News. Today's News Talk Radio. TNT. Our good friend Alex Zaharoff Royt, our Cyberman, has sent me a note saying you can get TNT Radio on YouTube, right? Which means you can watch on your smart television. You can watch YouTube, which means you can watch TNT Radio in living colour, on the big screen, at home on your television. Good point, Alex. So you can watch it almost like a television program um, as you would normally do anything else on YouTube. You can do exactly that because you can stream our radio station on all the streaming services like YouTube, like Rumble, like Odyssey, like X, like Facebook. All right, Alan Jones, former Liberal MP Dave Sharma, has been elected to replace Maurice Payne as a New South Wales senator. I guess his Middle East diplomatic experience paid uh, paid him dividends here. Yeah, no doubt about that. I mean, this is a bit of a bombshell. In fact, I said to Dave last week, uh, you are the outstanding candidate, but the Liberal Party being the Liberal Party, you've got no hope of winning. <laughs> and, he, and he said, oh, thanks for the reality advice. Well, I mean, the Liberal Party's not a, about merit at the moment, but it's changed direction. See, these are rank-and-file Liberals who come in. It's, it's, it's not the, you know, the hoi polloi at the top. So these are rank-and-file members. There are about 500 of them. And they actually, you're right, saw the problems in the Middle East. David Sharma is a very modest and gifted man, very, yeah. very talented. Bob Carr, as Foreign Minister, made him the ambassador to Israel at 38 years of age. Very, very young and a very knowledgeable of that area. And, and Dave sensibly, I think, to the mob, uh, threw his hat in the ring, took the risk, had a shot at the stumps and dwelt on foreign policy and what Australia needs to do and where the threats were and where the problems were. And I think it's a measure of the concern that rank and file Australians have for what is happening in the Middle East and the way in which, you know, Hamas has been sort of idealised and glorified and the poor old Israel are being demonised. I mean, the whole thing is out of proportion. And the government needs... I mean, I hope that the next step for Peter Dutton will be to have a shadow minister reshuffle and put Charmer in charge of foreign affairs and get rid of that Birmingham from South Australia who's absolutely useless, Simon Birmingham, how he holds a seat down, I wouldn't have a clue. No one knows who he is. He's had any number of portfolios. He's had a stack of experience in government. He's useless put Dave Sharma in charge of that stuff, and suddenly the opposition gets a bit of grunt about it. Look, he's a, an impeccably credentialed candidate, this man, a decent person, a wonderful scholar, very well educated, very well schooled, widely experienced, and he's young, he's got energy, but he's modest about it as well. It's an outstanding yeah, well selection. Well said. Now, this is not on the front page. Hasn't been on the front page for a week or so, but I've had listeners call me and write to me about where the Murray-Darling water wars will end up. There were several inland protests last week. Now, I wouldn't trust Labor to get this right. they got no cred on rural matters at all. But Janine, who rang me last week about this, I asked her to ring in today when I had you on because one of your fortes is, sadly, uh, the Murray-Darling water wars, um, which don't seem to be going in the favour of farmers, which is why there were a series of protests last week. Um, Janine, you're on the line now. Alan Jones is listening. Go right ahead. Hello, Alan. Um, Hello, Janine. Where are you from? Uh, Leeton. Daniloquin. What? 
No, Leeton. no, Leeton, near Griffith, Griffith and Leeton area. Near Griffith, so, right. We're near Griffith. Yes. Well, I mean, Janine, yes. as you know, I mean, we, we like to sort of be fair here on this program. Uh, Labor have inherited the mess and only made it worse. The coalition were no good either. These water buybacks are a disgrace and they have no right to sort of argue that environmental issues, whatever the hell they might be, because, you see, Janine, the Murray-Darling Basin existed and the Murray-Darling before anyone settled on this country, in this land. Now, you exactly. don't have to protect the Murray... Yeah, you don't have to protect the Murray-Darling. It's lived through all sorts of circumstances. Sometimes it was dry. Well, that's good, and it sort of washes out all the rubbish and the rain comes and it fills up again. It's only when politicians started playing ideology and interfering with the natural flow of water to the Murray-Darling that we've got into all this sort of mess. And Sue's paying the farmer. I mean, you're from Griffith. I've been down there to Daniloquin and these places, and there are just shops all boarded up because farmers and those dependent on the farm, whether it's the news agent or, you know, the petrol station who are dependent on the farmer, they close down because the farmers have got to leave. Their water is being taken from them. I mean, you cannot that's believe exact, that this is happening, eh? That's exactly right. And with, if they take these other 450 gigalitres out that they're going to take now, yeah. we'll have that all over again. I mean, people have started to get back on their feet again now. But, you know, there's going to be an... Who is listening to you? I mean, you're all these politicians. Who listens to you? Which politician can you talk to that understands your problem? You've obviously spoken to people. Well, not a lot, but now we... Now, Janine, let me tell you what I'll do. Janine, let me tell you what I'll do. My email, if you can hear me, my email is alanandalanjones.com.au. If you send me some dot points about your problem... I'll have a word with Tanya Plibersek because they, to be fair to them, they've inherited the problem, but they're making it worse. The answer is not to rob farmers on the basis of some phony environmental concern. That's the issue here. And, of course, as you know, when it comes to the environment, all these people have got hairs on their chest. They're all sort of married to the green cause, but they don't really worry about the bloke who puts food on the table, and that's the farmer. So if, rather than break up here and talking to me, if you can still hear me, it's, it's alan at alanjones.a1l-a-l-a-n at alanjones1word.com.au. And if you just stick those issues down with your own contact, then I'll get in touch with you. Yeah, sure, Alan. Um, you there? Yes. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can. Did you get that <laughs> from me? Uh, I, I did. But the problem is Tanya Plibersek's well... Um, she knows what they're doing because um, they know that it's the whole reason for the Water Act is to give effect to relevant international agreements. And mm. they are taking away what they call the socioeconomic neutrality testing, which when everyone jumped up and down before, they said, oh, well, you can have the triple bottom line, social, economic and environmental balance. But now they're going... The, the actual act says only environmental balance because they hung it all yeah. around Ramsar. And yes. so they know exactly. They are actually taking that... Yeah, but you see, what the problem is, Janine, the problem is this. The people who were advised... This is the difficulty with representative government. The people who advised the previous government, the Morrison government, on the Murray-Darling system are the same people advising this lot. So at the end of the day, yes. with due respect to Tanya Plibersek, who's an intelligent woman, but she would have gone into the portfolio knowing absolutely nothing. 
And no, and why would why would she? I mean, she's from Sydney, and in the Sydney electorate, she's an intelligent woman. She did a whole shadow portfolio in education. She was taken out of that and given this. So who does she depend on? The bureaucrats, the same bureaucrats that were advising the Morrison government, who stuffed it up entirely. And now they, they, they see, hey, we've got a new minister. She doesn't know nothing. Get into it, and away we go. And here now is the mess that continues. It, it, look, it is a national scandal, but it's no different from all the problems. If you go to, to, to North Queensland, uh, Janine, there are 9,000 acres. You've got to say it slowly. 9,000 acres being taken from farmers for solar farms. 9,000 acres. Now, that's bigger than any property down in the Griffith area. And that's for solar farm. Why? This is ideology. And here we are where you're talking about, that's an environment. Up there, it's energy. I mean, the that's whole right, show, you know, sorry. Yeah, sorry. I was just going to say the problem with this goes back to we've got so much inter interference from the UN because of the Tasmanian Dam case, the High Court decision in the Tasmanian yes. Dam case yes. that allowed the Commonwealth to override the state. So because Ramsar was it. the main thing that the... Um, Water Act was based on, that gives the um, United Nations and all the agreements that we signed through them, that gives mm. them... Um, mm. like I understand that, you see, I understand that, but look, the states, the states are very happy for the Commonwealth to take over the issue of water because they just don't want anything to do with it. They know what they're being asked to do is absurd. I just come back to the point that the Murray-Darling was fine until politicians got involved. And what we have to do now is to make sure whatever they want to do about the Murray-Darling, they don't kill the farmer along the way. And if you're Correct. starting to take water away from the farmer, you're gone. Yeah, well, that's what they're doing now. That's exactly what they're well, doing. Well, you drop me a note. You drop me a note. You've got my email address. You drop me a note, and, and I'll come back to you. Good on okay, you. Thank sure. you very much, Janine. I appreciate right, your Janine. call again. It's okay. fantastic that she's driving this home. Very quickly, mate, we, we lost the Davis Cup tennis final against Italy. Bridesmaids again. A bit sad. Well, the surprise there, of course, is that Italy, the big new name on the scene is this uh, sinner, this young yeah. sinner, red-headed Italian, who they knocked Serbia out. Novak, he beat Novak in the singles, yeah. sinner, to get them to the... Mind you, it's completely prostituted Davis Cup. Can you believe the uh, Davis Cup's all over in a weekend and no one knows anything about it? No, Ridiculous. No. Great, great in sporting institution. But nonetheless, Italy were there in the... Um, semi-final against Serbia, and this young sinner, who's a red-headed Italian, a good, he's beaten Novak on four of the last five occasions. I mean, Novak's phenomenally 36, and he's still there. But so Novak lost his singles, uh, and he lost the doubles. So yeah. that, then put, that then put them, Italy, into the final, and uh, sinner just completely outclassed De Menor, and De Menor's not in that category. I do think this young Popperin is a young player of ability, and Kokonakis, who was injured, Popperin's very upset because he felt that he had the chance to beat the other like the other Italian. He was about 40-something, 40 44 in the world, and then that would have left our doubles team, who are arguably the best doubles team in the world all yeah. year to it. They're in the top yeah. five. So if we could have got one all into the doubles, we could have won the damn thing. And Alexi Popperin, who he's saying, well, hang on, I had that chance. The other bloke didn't. He got beat the 6-3-6 six, six love by Sinner, the Menor, but Alexi believes he should have won it. He had a million chances to win it, and it was one of his worst performances. But he's a good kid, that young popperin, but, I mean, he's having a pretty rough couple of days now. 
Yeah, Leighton Hewitt was noble in defeat, but he must be awfully upset. Two yeah, years in a row. Right. Yeah, good young kid. Yeah, well, they lost to Canada last time. I mean, it's a good young outfit. We've got a lot of good young players. It's just a matter yeah. of getting someone like Leighton behind them. I mean, I know yeah. you'll get to say something about the golf. That's an extraordinary story. But the bloke wins the uh, uh, Lee, who's of Asian extract, an Australian born here. But the sister's number five in the world, and he's number, well, well he's in the top that's, ten. That's right. Min hey? Woo Lee, the Australian. That's it. Well, the sister, sister's about number five in the world. She was number wow. one, and he's won the Australian PGA. Amazing. Poor old Cameron Smith didn't qualify, didn't no. make the cut. He was angry. He was angry. <laughs> I'll let you go, mate. Right. Thank you very much. Right You've been very generous you, with your time okay. once again. Right on, mate. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Good on you. Thank you very much, and thank you to Alan, too, for taking the call from Janine, who's been pressing hard for the last week on our talkback lines to make uh, to make her point. Uh, and uh, and there are plenty of points to make. I, I know Chris has said on the chat line, this water grab, it's a consequence of the Lima Agreement and all the globalist jigsaw pieces falling into place to impoverish all of us. Well, there's a lot of truth in what is happening at a global level which trickles on down to little old Australia and our governments pick up the same kind of ideology. That's exactly what's happening. You're right, Chris, and so is Janine. Got to take a break. Renee Heath after the break for news on TNT Radio. Now, TNT Radio News. I have huge news. Are you ready for it? Yeah. Do it. Matt Boyland here with a look at your TNT headlines. There are reports this hour the fragile ceasefire between Israel and Hamas could be extended. 58 foreign hostages have been released from Gaza since Friday, including 41 Israelis, in exchange for 117 Palestinians freed from Israeli prisons. Russia's launched a new military satellite into orbit. It's been revealed tech tycoon Elon Musk is planning to meet with Israel's president, and Bloomberg has warned the world is staring down the barrel of a debt tsunami. Are you enjoying listening to TNT Radio? Do you think we're doing a good job? Then please let us know. Why not leave us a like or a positive review or comment on Facebook, Gab or Getter? Help us get the word out as we cover the biggest topics of our time on today's News Talk, TNT Radio. Okay, yeah, and Chris is also watching us on his smart television, his 55-inch. He's watching the program TNT Radio on his 55-inch smart TV on Rumble in his workshop. Uh, The problem is, he says, you have to have the chat open on either a PC or phone at the same time. What, you can't watch Rumble and have the sound from the television? I'll have to talk to Alex about that and get that right. All right. The Liberal Party Upper House MP for the Eastern Region of Victoria is Renee Heath, MLC, who we love having on the program each and every Monday. Renee, welcome once again to TNT Radio. Thank you so much. And I love being on the program. So thanks for having me. Excellent. Now, the hot tip is that former Prime Minister John Howard is meeting with Josh Frydenberg. The prediction is that Howard is going to urge him to come back into the political fold and try and win the next federal election for the Liberal Party. What are you hearing? And look, the last conversation I had with Josh Frydenberg didn't indicate he was returning to politics. Yeah, look, it could be something cryptic, like he's signalling a comeback, or it could be that he's just having a coffee with Mr Howard before a book launch. (laughs) (laughs) So one is a former Prime Minister and one's the former Treasurer, so it doesn't seem that odd to me. On whether or not he's doing, you know, he's making a comeback, who knows? At the end of the day, 
that is a question for Josh and also a question for the Liberal Party membership. Um, uh, us inquisitors, say- though, Renee, us inquisitors like to see things in conspiratorial frameworks, you see. Oh, we you could be onto something. <laughs> you could be onto something. At the end of the day, though, it is a question for him and the membership. And look, I think a lot of people would be happy to see him come back. We're all extremely proud of the amazing work that Dutton's doing, I have to say. He's got an incredibly strong team. He has shown amazing, courageous leadership. And I think he really inspired Australia when he elevated Jacinta Price and let her work to her incredible strengths. And yeah. we um, we look at the outcome we got from that, and I think that shows incredibly strong leadership. So in my opinion, a, straight, a trademark of that strong leadership is strong and secure leadership, and I think that he would love to have Josh on his team and to support. I'm not a fan of Monique Ryan, and I know you don't like to say disparaging things about anyone, um, but, but but I might make an exception for Monique. <laughs> <laughs> but Monique Ryan, yeah. like seriously, talk about a sellout. She oh. is absolutely green in Gucci. You know what I mean? Oh, a hundred percent. And this is the problem with that whole teal movement. I think they were something that looked a bit different, and I think they conned many Australians, and oh, now yes. we're paying the consequences. So I I yeah. think if we were to have somebody like Josh back. I think a lot of people would be celebrating. Yeah. Now, the Australian Education Union has launched a week of solidarity action with Palestine. Um, What does that even mean, Renee? Uh, Are we in for some kind of series of student protests or are they teacher protests? Are they rallies? Are they, you know, uh, is it going to end up violence on the streets again in Melbourne? I know in Sydney we had a a pro-Palestinian student rally on Friday, another chance to have a day off school. Um, I don't get it. There are two sides to this story, and the second side is rather significant as well. I completely agree. So what it looks like is starting today, sub-branches of the Education Union have set up a week of support for Palestinians, which could include encouraging students and their teachers to take photos and videos with themselves holding union banners in the classroom encouraging teachers to invite pro-Palestinian activists onto the school grounds to speak to kids. And I am so strongly against this because Uh. schools need to be a place of education, not a hub of indoctrination. And Mm. there should be absolutely no place for political activism like this in Australian classrooms. And I've got a few reasons why I believe that. And I think that I think that any politician who supports it should be ashamed of themselves. So the first reason is today Ben Jensen, the CEO of Learning First, spoke about how Australian children are learning roughly half the scientific content than their overseas counterpart. I've spoken about it many times, about how despite increased um, increased funding into the education system, we are seeing poorer and poorer results. Yeah. Now, Australian children deserve a first-class education and, quite frankly, they're not getting it. And I have consistently spoken in Parliament about the declining results that Australian children are facing in literacy and numeracy numeracy compared to overseas. The hard facts are children in Australia are not getting the best education and this needs to change. So political political activism in schools should be frowned upon. And the other reason is, and you brought it up just um, briefly before, 
is what about the other side? I am so sick of this lopsided activism, this lopsided doctrine that our kids are being fed. Who is going to teach them the relevant, the accurate, and the balanced facts of histories, history, not the narratives, the facts? And also, we cannot forget that this particular conflict was started by a terrorist attack. Hmm. I am just amazed at the political opportunism that we've seen over this. Are children going to learn about a nation's right to defend themselves? I think that activities like this are fraught with danger, and I think that we need to be modelling peace and tolerance and not pushing anything that could turn into racism or or attacking marginalised communities um, in Australia. That's my view. Yeah, it's very true. It's very true. It's like it's like having an alternate view to climate change. What mm. did the chief scientist say several years ago, uh, Alan Finkel, about what you would change temperature-wise if you stopped CO2 emissions right across the board in Australia? An infinitesimal change to the temperature of the planet. Do they get taught that at school? No. No. They get taught that when you start stopping fossil fuels, you contribute to the changing of the temperature on the planet. Wrong. Why don't they tell them the truth? Well, it's facts, not narrative, and it's feelings over fact. And I think this could become like a fault line in our generation unless we begin to address it because truth always trumps these narratives. And I think that, you know, it's disgusting what's happening in schools. Now, the Northeast Rail Link uh, has blown out again, up to $20 billion, and it goes hand in hand with Labor's long list of broken promises. You might have got rid of Dan Andrews, but boy, oh boy, nothing has changed in Victoria, has it? No, that's exactly right. We've got a new Premier, but it's the same old Labor. And really, what $200 billion when it comes to Labor? We're seeing budget blowouts like this everywhere. So that $20 billion is double what Daniel Andrews promised Victorians the North East Link would cost, and it adds to the long list of budget blowouts and broken promises. So getting things done was one of Labor's slogans, but I tell you what, we haven't seen that in my region. And my region, the Eastern Victoria region, is one I can speak for. Mm. Hospitals like the Pakenham Community Hospital and the new facility in West Gippsland Hospital were promised, but construction hasn't even started. In fact, less than 10% of the health promises across the state election were budgeted for. I think it was 6.9%, but it was far less than 10%. The Commonwealth Games was cancelled despite the government using it to promise regional Victorians that the election that this was going to be, bring an influx of tourism and an influx of business into their area. And now the federal Labor government have cut billions in infrastructure commitments, including the $222 million for the Frank, Frankston-Baxter rail extension that my colleague Chris Cruther really fought for and secured that funding when he was the federal member. So, Victorians are hardly getting anything that they were promised under Labor, and instead they're getting taxed more and more than ever. So Labor like to pretend that there's no victims of their broken promises, but I tell you what there are. The victims are the families that are expecting cheaper bills, but instead of seeing them skyrocket by over 25%, they're victims of the businesses who chose to invest in upgrades 
because there were all these, you know, this new business coming for the Commonwealth Games and that has been ripped away from them. I believe it's time for us as politicians across the spectrum to put people back at the centre of politics because we are certainly not seeing that under this government. And in Victoria in particular, living standards are dropping because you don't get uh, the infrastructure you've been hoping for to cater for the demand that you have. You don't get the next school. You don't get the upgraded hospital. These are reasons why, because you've got a debt the size of New South Wales. Well, that's right. And this sort of absolutely out of control government spending is driving inflation and the cost of living crisis is out of control. People have continually been, you know, paying their taxes and seeing nothing for it. And I think people are well and truly over it. Yeah. One last one. A man who murdered his cousin in an ice cream turf war, as you do, Mm. is out of jail, but is now facing stalking charges. We spoke about stalking in our last chat last week, he's accused of harassing a woman at her St Kilda workplace by trying to engage in her services. I hope police are treating this seriously. I hope they are. And I've been talking a lot about the need to strengthen stalking laws in Parliament because Victorian women, in fact, not just women, but all people, but this is an issue that really it does affect women more than men. They deserve better in mm. Victoria than cu- the current lenient stalking laws. Sometimes I think we are way too way too soft on crime. Yeah. There seems to be more rights on the perpetrator than the victim often. So last week, both in Parliament and on this show, I spoke about the brutal murder of Celeste Mano, who was murdered by a man who stalked her for a whole year. He breached his intervention order. He then got arrested, went quiet for three months, broke into her house and killed her. Since then, the Victorian Law Reform commissioned a report that was tabled last September and 45 recommendations were made to strengthen our laws. That was last September, not this year, the one before, and not one single law has been strengthened. Nothing has been done. And what I worry is how many more women have to live in fear Mm. or even worse than that, lose their lives before this government does something. So today I was really upset to see that the Herald Sun reported that a man who had murdered his cousin is now in court after being accused of stalking a woman for over 12 months. It sounds strangely familiar. He was alleged, he's allegedly continually turned up to her home her workplace, and incessantly contacted her by phone and social media. How many red flags do they need? Exactly. How many red flags? In my opinion, this man shouldn't be walking the street. Yet despite these examples coming up all too often, there's simply nothing being done. And I believe that I stand here as part of many, many women in Victoria that feel the same. We want something done and we want something done now. And a good start, a good start is the 45 recommendations that have been done for us. That is a good start to pass those now and get the job done. Yeah. I might get a copy of those 45 recommendations from you if you can email. Yeah, look at it across. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Thank you very much for your time. I'll let you get back into the parliament. You've taken time out to speak to us today. I appreciate that. Thank you, Renee. My absolute pleasure. Talk to you soon. Thanks so much. Good good on you. No problem. Renee Heath, MLC from the Liberal Party for the Eastern Region of Victoria. Um, Getting back to what I was talking about before, which is Chris saying he's watching in his workshop 
And he was talking about the fact that, oh, he has to still keep chat uh, alive on his PC or his smartphone. Well, that's separate. What well, He is a chat fiend. He loves commenting on chat, on the chat box, on TNTradio.live. He was just pointing out um, that he was doing something separate, which is, you know, commenting on chat and using chat, which is separate to watching and listening to the program, which he's doing on his smartphone. I'm with you now. I just had to fathom and absorb that technical information, you see. Thank you. Got to take a break and we'll come back and possibly take some of your calls. I've got some time from the United States or Canada. one 888 Does it appear to you as an American very, very conspicuous that only one four-year-old American has been released in those three handovers of hostages from Hamas? It does me. It doesn't augur well, if you ask me. From the UK, 0333024-1026. And from Australia or New Zealand, 1-800-670-310. This is Chris Smith on TNT Radio. With his expert analysis and opinion, this is TNT Radio's Timothy Shea. I've been in and around politics for over 50 years, so it takes a lot to surprise me, much less shock me. But I was shocked. Shocked, not that so many Argentines voted for Javier Malay, but that the Peronist powers that be allowed him to win the election. And the thing that made me the happiest for my Argentine friends is the video that Malay put out where he went down the row of a magnetic board that had all the Argentine government ministries listed and all the irrelevant ones. He pulled them off the magnetic board over his shoulder. They're gone, no more. That's exactly what we need to have happen here in the United States. We need Donald Trump back in January of 2025 to streamline our government. We need to move the Department of the Interior actually out into the interior. We need to move the Department of Agriculture to where we commit agriculture. And most importantly, we need to defund and disband FBI and distribute its law enforcement functions to other agencies that have their own law enforcement capability already stood up can't have Donald Trump back fast enough. I'm glad that Malay is going to make Argentina great again. We need Donald Trump here to make America great again. From MAGAinstitute.com, this is Timothy Shea for TNT Radio. There are 16 million children struggling with hunger in America. That's one in five daughters, sons, neighbors, and classmates who don't know where their next meal is coming from. Yet billions of pounds of good food go to waste every year. It's time we do something about it. Feeding America is a nationwide network of food banks that helps provide meals to millions of kids and families in need. Visit feedingamerica.org to help them feed even more. Together, we can solve hunger. Together, we're Feeding America. You're listening to Chris Smith on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Okay, now, stood aside Home Affairs Secretary Mike Pizzullo in Australia was sacked for multiple breaches of the Public Service Code including using his status to gain a benefit for himself, failing to be apolitical and engaging in gossip and disrespectful critique of ministers. I tell you what, his sacking, bearing in mind how influential and powerful he has been for quite a long time in the halls of Parliament House, will be a major lesson, a major wake-up call for senior public servants right across Canberra. Anthony Albanese announced the move in a statement this morning following a review of leaked text messages between Mr Pizzullo and Liberal power broker Scott Briggs. In a separate statement, Australian Public Service Commissioner Gordon De Brewer 
said a review of Mr. Pizzullo's conduct found he had breached the Public Service Code of Conduct on at least 14 occasions. Dr. De Brewer said the breaches related to five overarching allegations in which Mr. Pizzullo used his duty, power, status or authority to seek to gain a benefit or advantage for himself. He engaged in gossip and disrespectful critique of ministers and public servants. He failed to maintain confidentiality of sensitive government information. He failed to act apolitically in his employment and failed to disclose a conflict of interest. Uh, Dr. De Brewer said the reviewer, former Public Service Commissioner Linnell Briggs, recommended that Mr. Pizzullo's appointment as a secretary be terminated pursuant to Section 59 of the Public Service Act. Mr. Pizzullo, who was on a total remuneration package of more than $931,000, much more than the Prime Minister of the nation, had nearly a year left to run on his contract. Mr. Albanese said earlier today, the Governor-General in Council terminated the appointment of Michael Pizzullo as Secretary of the Department of Home Affairs. This action was based on a recommendation, da-da-da. That inquiry found breaches of the Australian Public Service Code. Acting Home Affairs Secretary Stephanie Foster will continue to act in that role. So Stephanie Foster in the hot seat. But Pizzullo and the reign of Mr. Pizzullo, which has been... A long reign indeed in the halls of Parliament House has come to an end. Now, I know a lot of people look at John Hewson in very strange ways because the bloke has virtually um, switched from having conservative roots to virtually lining up quite closely with left-wing political parties. However, he said on Saturday that Anthony Albanese could end up being a one term wonder. That's what John Hewson said. Very strange that John Hewson would say anything as derogatory about Labor, certainly in the last eight years. But he said he could be a one-term Prime Minister if he can't keep the faith with the young people who helped him to last year's decisive election victory. Well, it wasn't decisive, but anyway. Last year's election victory. Recent surveys suggest a cocktail of pandemic-related stresses is forging a generation of financially aware, politically engaged and resilient young people. Generation Z and millennials have lost faith in government, judging by the recently released Bridging the Generational Gap report from advocacy group Think Forward. Its survey shows 87% of respondents don't believe the federal government is doing enough to help young people achieve their goals, while 69% believe older generations don't contribute a fair share within the tax system. That's interesting. There are many factors at work here, he wrote. Overall, young people attribute their growing wariness of government to poor performance. And that's exactly what's showing up in the main polls, whether it's the younger cohort or the uh, mature cohort, they are all turning on Labor and the Prime Minister. Um, We often say that the honeymoon is over. I think the honeymoon was over about six months ago. And it's now looking like he could be a one-term wonder, Anthony Albanese. And is it any wonder? For 18 long months, he did nothing about the thing that was destroying families, which is the economy, cost of living. Nothing at all. Is matter of fact, he was he was, you know, fanning the flames by increasing wages left, right, and centre across the community. 
That's how you do it. And that's why Australia is heading in the opposite direction to the United States and the United Kingdom when it comes to inflation and therefore mortgage rates. That's what's killing people. That's what's killing young families. And that's what will kill Anthony Albanese if he doesn't watch out. Now, interesting to hear my friend Corey Bernardi um, go against his boss's support of Kiev. This is an interesting story. It's from MSN, and it says, a conservative commentator, Corey Bernardi, called the Ukraine war a great distraction and the country a black hole of corruption last week on his Sky News Australia show. The network's boss, Lachlan Murdoch, was 24 hours away from touching down in the country's capital. Now, this is interesting. So the new, basically, the new boss of News Corp, Lachlan Murdoch, is there being very pally-wally with Vladimir Zelensky and showing great support on behalf of News Corp for Ukraine, and yet at the same time, Corey Bernardi is bagging them. Now, in the way in which he's bagged them, which is to say that they are a black hole of corruption, this is factually correct. There were a number of human rights organisations prior to the war in Ukraine that pointed out how authoritarian and corrupt the Zelensky regime actually was in Ukraine. But, of course, the focus of the world was not on Ukraine at the time, so we didn't really pay any attention to that. But that was exactly what was said. And I've told you um, chapter and verse exactly what was said by the various human rights organisations. I might do so again tomorrow in the program if I've got some time. But this was made quite obvious and very public prior to Russia invading Ukraine. Um, But he's basically saying um, that the wall-to-wall coverage seems to be in favour of Ukraine, but at the same time, they are a black hole of corruption. Corey Bernardi is entirely correct, and I'm so glad that he pointed it out to people who are not aware of that situation. To think that Russia is the only authoritarian regime fighting in this war is basically um, a very, very misguided way to interpret what's going on in the Eastern European area. What's going on are two authoritarian regimes fighting each other right now. Uh, Chris writes on the chat box, Corey Bernardi is so switched on. He and his critical thinking are sorely missed in the LNP. Well, in terms of what's going on in politics, he is sorely missed, Corey Bernardi, one of the last of the Conservatives and someone who's not afraid to go against his own proprietor, which is what he's doing with Sky News right now, in bagging Ukraine. And not necessarily bagging them or having an opinion that's not backed by fact. It is certainly backed by fact. And I'll tell you a little bit about that on the program tomorrow. I'll go back on my files on the various human rights organisations that had something to say about Ukraine before Russia walked into the country. I'll do that tomorrow on the program. I've got to leave you with um, our good friend Limbit Opik, uh, but I'll um, also be back at the same time tomorrow and I look forward to your company. Don't forget, spread the word. We're video streaming and this is TNT Radio. TNT Radio.